honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. So welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. I'm Izzy. Let's get rolling. Welcome to the Strange on Purpose podcast. Again, you have your host, Izzy. Uh, my voice cracked. We are, I'm very excited for today's episode. Uh, I have Jamerson Green from Foot Locker on today. And uh, someone that I wanted to have on for a very long time, especially after reading about his story and everything like that. So super excited to dive into uh, what has really shaped him, who has really shaped him, and kind of get more in-depth into what his journey's journey has looked like. So, Jamerson, appreciate you jumping on. Yo, Izzy, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Uh, when you hit me up, I was super excited um, to be here and be able to talk. I mean, I love to talk, so I guess that, I guess that <laughs> put two and two together is going to work. But I'm, I'm just thankful to be here. I'm thankful for you having me, and I'm kind of excited to open up some new, uh, unfold some new areas of my life that I haven't really talked about. You know, I think it's going to be dope. I appreciate it, man. I, I told you earlier before we hit record, uh, and so the audience knows, my, my parents always got called from my teachers uh, when I was growing up because I talked too much. And I just want to know, I, I really hope my, my teachers from elementary school and high school and college are just knowing that I started a podcast so I can stop talking and Stop talking to my girlfriend so damn much and actually talk to some some <laughs> some dope individuals that want to hear me talk and stuff like that. So I'm I'm super excited for today's episode. Um, for anybody who doesn't know Jamerson, who you are, what you do, why you do it, um, do you want to answer those few questions? Yeah, yeah. So I can uh, answer. I'm Jamerson Green. I'm originally from Flint, Michigan, born and raised. Uh, I moved to New York City about five. It's five years. Yeah, it's five five years ago. I moved to New York City. Uh, really just trying to pursue a career in streetwear and streetwear fashion and sneakers and everything like that. And I felt like, you know, New York was the best place to kind of accomplish that. I mean, it's the Mecca. You got everything you need. It's kind of where street culture really started. So I moved to New York. Um, and then also, I meant to let you know that I have, I'm not going to self-diagnose myself and say I got ADHD, but I definitely be forgetting. Like somebody asked me a question and I'll, I'll answer two of them and forget like the third one. Um, but now as I say that, I can totally remember what I'm saying now. And so um, by, by day, uh, I'm the senior influencer marketing manager for Foot Locker. And then by night, um, I'm myself. You know, I kind of do things for myself. I like to host, do personality things. Also run a creative company slash agency called Leader Quality, which is really focused on bringing creatives together and creating campaigns that really move the culture forward. Like whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. So Leader is really based around just putting your best foot forward in everything that you do. And you'll always fall somewhere in between because you're putting your you know your work and your hope in god and not what's happening around you so I always kind of live by that code so um i think that's a that's a decent intro for the most that part is, that <laughs> is. i love that love that um so anybody that does research you or anything like that they come across your your story on your website um 
Do you want to go into death? You, I mean, like you said, you, you, you hail from Flint, Michigan. How was your upbringing? Um, and how, how was growing up in the Midwest, especially as a creative? Oh man, growing up in the Midwest as, as a creative is, it's different. It's, it's a different, well, well I, I can talk about specifically where I'm from, you know, being from Flint, being from Michigan, um, a lot of things in Michigan, Michigan kind of re revolved around like the auto industry and everybody's family worked at, you know, the General Motors plants and things like that. So like that was kind of the standard of life. So for me growing up, that was like, that's, that was like the golden, that was like the, the big ring. That was like the championship. Everybody wanted to get into GM. Everybody wanted to work there. So my dad actually worked at General Motors, but on the side, he also uh, sold suits. So like fines men's wear suits, ties. Uh, shoes like you ever seen people like wearing alligator shoes like my dad yeah. was one of them dudes that was like selling <laughs> selling alligator shoes like my, my really first touch with creativity was kind of like working with him and watching him create through through fashion you know seeing people putting combinations together um, getting people outfitted for church like you know one of his big clientele of people from church or watch him throw a fashion show you know with him and my uncles and and my mom and everybody being in it so like that was my first real kind of like gateway into into a creative outlet and i think i really didn't realize how much that seeing that had an effect on my life until later i'm like oh you know my first creative outlet wasn't xyz it was actually coming from like my house and my home and my dad he used to like make commercials all, all kind of different little creative things he used to do so like being from flint like general Moses is is the big key but like my dad kind of saw outside the box a little bit he ended up staying in flint like he didn't venture really outside of flint he did at one point, he did some modeling things in like Dallas and things like that. But ultimately, back in the day, Flint was like number one middle class America. Like if you wanted to make $50,000 or $60,000, $75,000 and you wanted to live a good life with family and stuff like that, like Flint was that, you know, before General Motors, General Motors and everything uh, really started failing and, and falling off, you know? I love that. I, it's, it's crazy that as I have people on and this season more specifically uh, as I have creatives from the Midwest I, I love hearing everybody's different interpretation so like for me uh, growing up in in some in a city like Chicago I had a completely different like upbringing a completely yeah. different uh, in, in regards as to me as a creative I, it was almost more encouraged than someone like um, Elena Velez in Milwaukee and she was a she was somebody that I, I had on for the season yeah. and she's a fashion designer um, that literally hails from Milwaukee she's done the New York fashion show she's done the Paris fashion weeks and she loves coming back home because this is where she gets her inspiration from and yeah. it's just Milwaukee um, I'm here right now and it's it's one of those towns that Unless you know the beauty behind it, it it's not very, it, it's not very uh, creatively, it doesn't push you creatively. And yeah. um, I think that there's, there's something to say about those Midwest kids. So I, I love, I love your upbringing. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then also just kind of being from the Midwest, you say like, kind of touched on your point where it says it doesn't really push you creatively. Like that, that's totally, it totally makes sense, you know, cause it's very slow moving and it's totally different from a from a full ecosystem environment like a Chicago who has, you know, a consistent, consistent, you know, street scene or a consistent sneaker scene or uh, like a New York where, I mean, everything is bustling and moving at, at all times. Day. Or like L.A. where you have pockets like I feel like in the Midwest, Chicago is probably the best pocket we have for like for like those things. But outside of that, you're kind of like 
trying to find something to be inspired by, trying to find any little little piece, you know, that, that you can do to kind of take your creativity to the next level, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So I, I did, I told you I did extensive research on you and I even came, I even came across your max preps page. I'm, I'm not, so, I'm not sure if that's weird or not, but we're gonna, <laughs> we're we, we gonna wave it off and just say that it's, it's all for the love of research and making sure we do a good podcast. <laughs> no, I even came my, across your max preps. Oh my Lord. Yeah. And I think, uh, oh man! so you played basketball in high school. How did that kind of influence you uh, in the sneaker scene and the street scene? Because, uh, I mean, sne- sneakers and, and basketball are, are hand in hand, you know? Like, if I mean, of course, you got Michael Jordan, you know? It, it's got to be the shoes. So, like, if, if you're on the court, you want to have your favorite shoes, you want to have the best shoes, you want to look good, you, you know, you look good, you play good. You know, you look good, you feel good, you play good. That's that's like a coin, uh, a term coined by Deion Sanders, of course. But so like, I wanted to have the best shoes on the court. Whether it was a pair back in the day when it was some J's, you wanted some J's. I remember hooping in crazy eights uh, in high school because of Kobe. I had a, a pair of white and blue crazy eights because our team was a Cavalier and we were white and blue. Um, I remember in college when I was in college, I played in Cardinal Sevens. I played in Cardinal Sevens and then any low top Kobe. And then I think at another school I played in Retro 2. So, like, for me, it was, like, always wanting to – and I played in all these shoes to average five points a game, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to talk about my five points a game on, on this podcast, but, but, I mean, I always feel like look good, play good. And if, and if I don't if I don't play good, at least I look good at the end of the day. So, <laughs> so I was always trying to have, have the best shoes on the court or always, you know, have something up there, something different because everybody would hoop in – Okay, yeah, I'm a hoop in this shoe, or I'm a hoop in Nike, the Adidas Pro model, or I'm a hoop in this. I'm like, no, let me hoop in something that people aren't gonna gonna play in, like retros. People weren't hooping in retros back in. I'm about to show my age, but back in 2008, 2009, 2010, nobody was hooping in retros. People were only wearing them. I was hooping in my retros. Like I'm about to play in these. Like they were basketball shoes back then. They about to be basketball shoes again now. That's <laughs> that's actually <clears throat> hilarious because. Growing, I mean, I went to small school in Milwaukee, and we went back and forth because we would just like show up to our basketball teams' games, and they weren't they were good, but like it was uh, NAIA school, like didn't really mean anything. So we just check out everybody's kicks, yeah. and um, let's see, this was in 2013. I was a freshman. I remember this dude was hooping in some ones, and. NAIA yeah, yeah. basketball is like, it's it's still pretty competitive. And I was talking to my homie from Chicago uh, who lives out here too, and he's like, he's about to break his ankle. Like, there's no way he's hooping in these ones. There's, those are not made for today's hooping. And turns out he, he rolled his ankle somehow. And really? Like, yeah. Oh, it's just, my God. it's crazy that like now the culture has gone from these sit on a shelf and they like get worn and then cleaned immediately to i'm about to hoop in these and then probably wear them to wing stop right. after to go get some <laughs> some food i can't believe he if he hooping in ones he definitely had to have an insole in it and he probably <laughs> didn't get his ankle state like if you're gonna hoop in ones you got to take a bunch of extra measures to make sure you don't like break your foot on your ankle i played in ones before too <laughs> it's it's i don't know what he was thinking but um to kind of take it back and take it back to your upbringing and everything like that. Yeah. Um, a lot of kids 
were told, hey, you got to work for, you got, you want these shoes, you got to work for them. Um, and especially with, with Jordans growing up, like you got to work for these or um, maybe like for me, I always wore Reeboks because that's what my parents can afford. Yeah. But like for you, how, how, like was the, and it sounded like your dad was a fashionable dude. So like, was that very encouraged? Like, yeah, go get those shoes. Go do, go do that. Go, go wear those out. Man, you must be crazy. My parents about to buy me some J's. <laughs> <laughs> they, they look at that price tag. They wouldn't, they weren't buying the J's. To be honest, my, my first pair of Jordans was a pair of candy candy cane 14s i still remember i was in the third this was 97 98 yeah so i was what third third grade more like the third grade like that was my first pair of jordans i ever had i didn't get another pair of retro jordans until i got out of high school and bought them with my own money <laughs> like so that, that's that's a nice it's a nice little gap in between there like they he was big on that, but they weren't big on spending a lot of money, you know, on making sure I had the, the best shoes every time they drop out or every time they come out. Really, they would take us to the store. This was back when Champs and Foot Locker had the uh, two for 89. So you got to get the two for 89 oh, shoes. Yeah. So you get, you get, you're getting a pair of Puma Romas and a pair of probably Reebok Classics or like <laughs> something like that. And you might, you just maybe might get a pair of Air Force Ones if, you know, you got good grades that semester or something like that. But my parents weren't weren't allowing they weren't buying me four or five six pair of shoes you know every week every other month now kids nowadays do you know i feel like kids nowadays i'm not sure i mean their parents buy them or they get the money and save up and buy them or things like that but you know it's it wasn't like that back then you know you get these two for 89 shoes and then if you get good grades this semester i might buy you another pair of shoes you know for for getting good grades or i might get you you know and then when christmas comes around you might get two more pair of shoes for the school year or whatever so it it, it but also sneakers weren't a big thing. Like my dad was a, a dress up kind of guy. So sneakers yeah. in his eyes is like, why, why you want to do that for, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I remember the first time, um, I think it was in fourth grade, if I'm not mistaken, fourth grade, my dad bought me a pair of Jordans and I was like happy as hell. And I ruined them. I think there were a pair of nines. And I ruined them like that day. Like I ended, they were white, Carolina blue, and I ruined them going out and like hooping in them as a fourth grader. You know, just throwing my feet everywhere. And yeah. I came home, and my dad's like, "Are you kidding me?" And from that point on, what they bought me was the Reeboks. Uh, we lived uh, like an hour away from a Reebok outlet. Uh, ultimately, like when I went to high school, we actually moved near that outlet, so that that helped a ton. But it's crazy seeing, like you said, like seeing the culture shift so much. So yeah. to go back to like really how you got started and everything like that, do you want to take me through um, your career journey? So you started at Champs. Um, take me through, like you started in Champs in Michigan. Yeah. Take me through this journey. How how'd you end up to where you are today? Oh my, uh, <laughs> I hope you're ready because this is... <laughs> Uh, this is a this is a nice story. So look, I can I can just run this story straight through, but I'm gonna like say some stuff and I'm gonna stop to give you a chance to ask questions because it's a long story and I can just oh, ramble. Yeah. I can Let's ramble for like 30 minutes, but I'm gonna like <laughs> start it and then I'm gonna kind of just we'll, we'll figure out where we go from there. <laughs> we'll figure out as we go. Um, but so yeah, I graduated high school and then I ended up getting a job at Champs, uh, Champs Sports. Went in there, walked in, and was like, 
yo, are y'all hiring? It was like, yeah. Literally, like, put in my application, the standard process, blah, blah, blah. They hit me back the next day, went in for an interview, got the job, which was super dope. You know, it was my first job um, out of high school. I was working at, like, a grocery store, bagging groceries before that. Uh, you always got to have that first, like, humbling job before you can get another job. Uh, so just being there, I, I worked at Champs on and off pretty much. Champs and Foot Locker, like, on and off all the way through literally college. So, like, from beginning of college to the end of college, I was working, and then I would, like, go away and play basketball, but then I will come back and I will work again for X amount of months of the summer, then I'll leave again, then I'll come back and I'll leave again, you know? But uh, during that time, I just, I fell in love with, with sneakers, and I fell in love with, with streetwear. Uh, I think that was one of the golden eras of streetwear and sneakers. This is before all the hype really started picking up like crazy. I think the hype really, really started going crazy after the Space Jam release. But I yeah. really was falling in love with it before that. So I was falling in love with, you know, all the kicks that were coming out. And then you also was falling in love with, like, the fashion aspect of it where you had, like, streetwear was booming back then. This was before streetwear got really commercialized. Like, when you had the, if, it was like, if you knew, you knew. It's like when Diamond Supply was actually something that was super, super, not, nothing against Diamond Supply saying it's not super coveted right now. But this is when people, like, currency, currency and Wiz was wearing it, and like everybody was trying to figure out how to find it, but you really couldn't find it on shelves or stores. Like you had to go directly to, to you know, Diamond Supply website and things like that, or you had like Tisa snapbacks, which were like super rare, and they were selling them for like ridiculous amounts of money, $100, $150. Like this is like the blog era of like sneakers, like when Nike Talk used to be jumping, when Hypebeast actually had like forums, like it wasn't just. Like right now they do articles, but back then they had like forums for like new streetwear brands and things like that. And people used to talk on them, like a whole community of sneaker and streetwear, you know, across the Internet. So I really just started to fall in love with it. And during the same time, just to circle back, like I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with school, when I want to get done. Like, OK, when I graduate, where do I want to go? And the first thing my dad is telling me is like, yo, you should go work for GM. Like that's that's the number one like calling car. So he would like try to line me up with jobs to work at GM and I just either wouldn't call, I either wouldn't call them back or like I wouldn't go to the interviews and he would get so tight. He would get so tight at me for like, <laughs> like I'm trying to, I'm trying to make sure I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to, I, I want to chase my dreams. I want to chase what I got. I don't want to go to GM because I know if I go there, I'm just going to be comfortable. Like I'm going to get there and I'm going to do this. And then everything else that I like hoped and dreamed of, you know, would kind of like not happen. Like I'm not saying it wouldn't happen, but, I had bigger dreams than, than working in GM, you know? So, yeah. during this, so during this time during college and doing that, I came to New York a couple of times. So I came to New York once. I remember it was my 22nd birthday. I came to New York. I came to New York once, visited. I'm like, oh. And I literally came out here for like a streetwear slash sneaker visit. I didn't know what I was doing. I literally just wrote down like every single store, every single person I could try to reach out to and talk to just to like get some knowledge, you know, of the game or just to talk to people, you know? I, I feel like we forget how accessible people are when you just email them or pull up or, or come by, like, and how willing people are to tell you, you know, about the industry and tell you the things that they've been through. People love to talk and especially to talk about themselves. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. So, so during this time, so during that time in college, I came out to New York a few times. And luckily, which is really crazy how everything segues, and we'll kind of go through that when I talk about more of my story, is that um, my, best, my best friend I played basketball with in college was from Brooklyn. So he came to Michigan and played ball in Michigan, but was from Brooklyn. So me and him always had a great connection and, you know, kept it all together and everything. So when I came to New York, I would come stay with him, but then I would come, like, just roam around, get a feel for the city, 
and, and kind of feel it out. So after that, I was like, yo, like I can kind of stay in Michigan, but it's kind of like, what am I going to be doing? Like I can stay here and work at GM. And I mean, it's, it's, just, it's a small art, you know, in street scene in Flint, but it's also a small city. It's, yeah. you know, it's 90,000 people. It's, it's, it's like I had done a lot there already. I had already had a, like a little random startup brand called West Side Society because I'm from the west side of Flint. And like, it was cool. Like it was like, it was cool for where I was at and what I was doing, but I felt like I was starting to hit like a ceiling. Like I'm, I'm trying to do more, but like, I can't do more unless I risk more. And I'm just like hitting this ceiling, this like glass ceiling and, and not pushing through, you know? So that glass ceiling, traditionally, and if you don't want to answer this, you don't have to, but traditionally that glass ceiling in Midwestern cities isn't actually a glass ceiling. It's something that, um, I'll just do it blatantly. It's something that <laughs> I, I, you're a That'd person okay. of color. You can't, you can't break through that. Do you think that was the glass ceiling or um, do you think, do you think it was combined with something else? What do you think? I just, I just think it was just, and, and like I said, I love, I love my hometown to death. You'll, yeah. you'll hear, you'll hear me scream out Flint. You'll hear me talk about every person from Flint that's, that's doing it. People in Flint to this day that I still know that I talk to that's doing it. I think it was just the size of the city itself, the nature of the city, the nature of Michigan, the job market in Michigan, and then just really for what I wanted to do. It was just no, there was no market for it, period. And I think that I could have, you could have created it, but it wouldn't have been, anything to the scale of like what I've been able to accomplish in New York. So I think right. the glass ceiling was really just the, the location and, and the place, you know, and I've, I've had a lot of discussions with people like, no, it's his, that is this now I'm like, but I understand that from the perspective of, of living there. Like I've lived there, but as soon as I left and I saw more, I saw that the glass ceiling was kind of where I was at. And in order for me to get through the glass ceiling, I had to get out of my comfort zone and go somewhere else to figure out, you know, what's, what's the next level? It's always like next levels to things. Like you, you have level one and level one was like, okay, I'm in sneakers. I'm working at the store. Cool. Level two is like, okay, you know, I know a little bit. I started a little startup brand. Cool. For me, like the next level after level two was like, okay, how am I going to learn more? How am I going to, you know, be around some of the veterans in the game? How am I going to expand my knowledge and expand what I know and what I see? And the only way I could do that was, honestly to leave like I had to leave yeah and, and you'll talk about it in a bit here but you left do you feel like the place you left to ended up being New York City do you feel like you could have done what you've done in New York if you would have gone to you know let's say I you know what I'm gonna pick up and move to Chicago or I'm gonna yeah. pick up and move to Atlanta instead yeah, I think so. Cause honestly, before I moved, I had a list. Like I, I wrote down the whole list of like, okay, like I'm getting ready to graduate college. I got six, I got six months. Like where do I want to go? So on my list was Seattle, Chicago, Los Angeles, uh, and New York. So those those are my four my four options. Uh, I didn't. I had never been to Seattle, so I didn't want to go to. I just didn't want to up and go to Seattle, and I had never been. Cause Seattle, I, I'm I haven't been. I haven't really researched Seattle a lot lately, but like. 
back during that time, Seattle was really booming on street culture heavy. And I think yeah. it still is too, but like Seattle had a really, really niche like streetwear and sneakers scene that I feel like was different from like a LA, different from a New York. They had their own thing, but it was super dope. So Seattle was definitely on the list. LA, um, just because, I mean, glitz and glam and like I like to host and talk and things like that, LA, but I also had never been. So like I didn't want to just jump out the window and go somewhere I'd never been. And I thought about Chicago and a lot of people, whoever's from Chicago listens to this is probably gonna, I got in an argument with one of my friends, Scent Rock, about this, but I was like, if I'm gonna go to Chicago, I might as well go to New York because a, cause I've been to both. Like Chicago is close, it's four hours from Flint. I probably yeah. went to Chicago two, two, three times a year, like literally just drive there. And then New York, I had been two times before I decided to move. And I was like, if I'm gonna go to Chicago, which is kind of a miniature version of New York, I Ooh. might as well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You I know you, you go, you go, you go kill me too. I know, I'm, I'm waiting for you to argue with me about it. Argue with me about it. But <laughs> my, my boy sent Ron over here. He's from Chicago. Him and Eddie, and I be arguing with them about it too. But I love, second of all, before I get into this, I love Chicago, yo. Chicago is like a second, like after New York and Michigan, like Chicago, I always come there. Everybody always show me love. And it's always an amazing time. Like I love Chicago to death. But I was like, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a slightly smaller New York. So, like, if I'm going to go, I'm just going to go for the gusto. You know, like, I could probably do what I want to do at any of these places, but if I'm going to go, I'm going to go big, and if I fail and it doesn't work, I can always try other places. It's like, but at least if I'm going to go, I'm going to go big or I'm not going to go at all. Interesting. So, I'm going to not argue. Don't, don't kill even, me. No. Uh, I <laughs> if think, you want to, we can. <laughs> no, no, we're good. We're good. Uh, we can talk offline about that. Some, um, some, somebody, somebody's about to take away my Chicago badge after this. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so sorry to whoever hears this. <laughs> I'm just going to snippet out that part and put out an ad just for Chicago. <laughs> um, no. So cool. You, you figured out, all right, I'm, I'm going to go big. If I'm going to go big, I'm going to go to New York. That one's a little tough, but um, I'm going to go to New York and what's going through your mind? Like, I'm, I'm guessing as, for me as a college student, I didn't have the money to just go pick up to New York. Um, and that's why I actually was offered a job by the Mets right out of college and the Nets and decided not to because I was like, damn, I don't have the money to do that. So what's going through your head? What's next? Um shoot next is just trying to i mean i'm young so you just making when you're young you just make decisions like you don't yep. really you don't really plan it out so my dream i had just like you said you researched me like jeff staple was one of my favorite streetwear designers at the time or whatever so like i literally like researched everything you know i could about jeff and this and that you know my dream was to work for staple pigeon like I, that was my goal like i want to get to new york and i want to work for, for jeff staple and staple pigeon like that that was that was my goal so after Pretty much it was like getting to the process of getting out to New York, which was the hardest part. So yeah. first I got to, I got everything, everything I own is in Michigan. So I'm like, how can I generate enough money to be able to go to New York? Cause you're looking at New York, the cost of living, trying to, you know, navigate it is hard. Like it's not easy to get an apartment in New York. It's probably the hardest place in, on the earth to, to get an apartment or, or to seal an apartment. So I started, pretty much started off by literally selling everything you know, I owned, I sold, I think I had over like 70, 80 pairs of shoes. I sold all of them and got my, my sneaker stash to down, like down to like eight to like, wow. to like eight pairs of shoes, sold, sold all my, sold all my shoes and moved. I actually talked about that in my Nike sneakers, um, story that they did on me like a couple of weeks ago. 
but uh, I sold everything and I sold my car. So I sold that and I sold my car and I, I mustered up a, uh, I mean, I had a couple, I had a couple racks. I'm not going to yeah. tell people, I had a couple racks, something like <laughs> that was, but it, it, to be honest, it wasn't, it wasn't enough for what I was, I was trying to do. Um, yeah. So that was the first, like, okay, I need to get enough money. It was between that and I also finessed my student loans. So uh, University of Michigan, if y'all hear this and y'all know I ain't pay, started paying my loans back, I used <laughs> part of that to move to New York. <laughs> and you'll get, it, you'll get it back at some point, but we're going to work on that. Uh, so, <laughs> so between student loans and me selling everything, I had enough money to at least give myself a little cushion without going out here with, without having anything. And then, like, I started applying for jobs. So I just started applying for a bunch of random jobs, like any just basic jobs, like, oh, let's work at Verizon. Let's work at Zoomies, you know, let's work yes. here, let's, let's work there. And so, no, nobody was really hitting me back, but I was committed. I said, yo, when I graduate in May, I'm leaving. Like, I'm, a month later, I'm leaving. Like, I, I committed to it, and that's 100% said I was going to do it. So, regardless I had a job or not, like, I, I was going to New York. Like, it was, it was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So, during that time, I was trying to figure out where I'm going to live. So I had an aunt that, um, that stayed out in, in New York. Like I hadn't really, I saw her a couple times I came out, but we really don't have, didn't have that strong great of a relationship. And she's a lot older, it was my great aunt. So she yeah. was like 80 something years old, been living by herself for like 50 something years. So like she's not, she don't want no little 24 year old, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's why I be running the streets coming in and out of her house. So at first she said she was gonna let me stay with her. And then she called me back like, Maybe maybe a couple weeks out and was like, yeah, I can't. I'm not. I'm not gonna let you stay. <laughs> and I was like, is this really the the like this like that was my one lifeline at that point. Like, wow, that was my life. That was it. It was like, oh, I was like, I'm about to go. Cool, I'm gonna be able to get a couple months to like figure it out. And then like you just pull that from under my feet, you know. Wow. So, so now much that, through your head. I was like, dang, I don't know. I'm like, I, I, I was like, I don't know. So. That, that day, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Then I remember, like, duh, like, my boy, Ricky, who is my best friend, I'm like, he lives in New York. He lives in Brooklyn. So I called him up. I'm like, hey, man, like, I was, I remember I told you I was going to move out there, but, you know, my aunt kind of pulled, pulled the chair out from under me at the last minute. Like, do you think there's any way that your mom will let me, you know, come, come crash or whatever, you know, for a little while until I get on my feet? Yeah. So... He talks to her and asked her, and she ended up letting me come stay. So I went from not having somewhere to stay again to having somewhere to stay again. And thank you, Ricky. You, my, I love you for this. He, he low-key finessed because my aunt wasn't going to let me live with her. But he finessed and told his, told his mom that, yo, he just waiting for his room to, at his aunt's to get done before he, before he oh. leaves. So, <laughs> so he, 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 finessed, he finessed me five months of being able to stay at their house. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he nice. Finessed. He finessed me five months to be able to sleep to sleep on their couch. Um, so uh, his mom, his mom, and I, I hope don't don't hope they don't find the feds, don't find Ricky. But his mom uh, runs ran a, ran a daycare, and uh, so it was like it was a, it was a split. You know, I had to stay there at night, but in the day I got to be gone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so it's like you're couch hopping, sleeping on the couch, trying to figure it out. So I packed. So once he said that, I packed everything up. Um, uh, told, told my parents, I mean, I had told them like back in December that I was going to move and their first quit, my, my dad's first, they're like, why you want to move all the way over there? You know, <laughs> like, I mean, cause 
with, with their kids. You know, parents are always yeah. concerned about what they are. Like, why do you want to move all over? My mom was like, go. Like, she was like, go, do your thing. But my mom also was probably tired of me and wanted me to leave. But <laughs> <laughs> so you're out there. You're now out there. You have a place to stay. People are still not hitting you back, I'm guessing. So what what are you doing to eat? What are you doing to kind of live? What's going on? Oh my God. This this is where this is where it gets rough. So I'm literally at this time I'm couch to couch. Uh, I think I had I had an interview. I had an, I had one interview and I had it with Zoomies. <laughs> Zoomies Zoomies uh Zoomies hit me. Wait, wait, I, let me make sure I'm on my right timeline. I think something else happened before Zoomies. Um, oh, I got out there and I was chilling. I was just like, every day I would go out, literally, you know, feet to concrete. Like I'm walking everywhere. I'm like hanging out in Billionaire Boys Club like twice a week. Just like trying to get to know people so I hopefully can like get my foot in the door somewhere. So like I literally would just go yeah. hang out in BBC for like three hours a day. Like they, they probably were tired of me. Like, bro, what are you doing and why are you here? You know, two, three days a week, like just hanging out and just standing here. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm just trying to, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out. You know, I'm a kid <laughs> just trying to figure it out. So I'm walking into Stussy. I'm walking into, I'm walking into Reed space. I'm walking into all these places, really just trying to hang out and just figure out how am I going to get a job in one of these places. So I ended up started working as an intern for the Brooklyn Hip Hop Festival which is kind of, I mean, it's not really related to sneakers or nothing like that, but it was just what I was doing during the time. So I was doing yeah. like all the graphic design and I was helping them with like the event day and things like that. So during that time, um, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just email Jeff. <laughs> like, yeah. I just out the blue. Like, you know what? I just think I'm going to go for it and I'm going to see what happens and I'm going to just email Jeff. So I literally like typed up a whole email, typed, I put some of his words from like his speeches and his like interviews and stuff like that. And I put them in there like, yo, his one thing was like taking off the velvet handcuffs. I was like, well, I took off my velvet handcuffs and moved to New York. My dream was to blah, blah, blah. And I sent it. So 10 days later, Jeff hits me back. Like, like, I'm like, oh, shoot. So I'm like, oh, shoot, this is crazy. Like Jeff literally hits me back. And I, I'm surprised. I'm like, you, when, you shoot, when you shoot an email to somebody like that, that you kind of, highly think of or think is inaccessible when they hit you back you're kind of like shocked you know so he hit me up called me in for for an interview or he didn't even call me for an interview he called me in to talk it wasn't even really an interview like he was like oh yeah come to the office like let's talk so like i'm going from seeing the the staple pigeon coop on instagram and like wanting to be there to like literally walking in the building and now i'm like in the staple pigeon coop like for me that yeah. was like probably the this is maybe how many months is this in this is maybe three months four Maybe three, four months in at this point. I'm probably three, four months in, in New York at this point. And he, and he hits me back. And I'm, now I'm sitting in the office with Jeff just having a conversation with him for an hour and a half. You know, it's like, oh, this is, this is just crazy how, how it all works out. But at the end of the conversation, he's like, oh, nice to meet you. But, yeah, we don't have any, we don't have any openings right now. I'm like, this ain't this why wow. you got me sitting here for an hour and a half talking about like there's like they're talking about there's no openings and i'm like okay you know but at, at the same time like I'm, I'm i'm big on faith and stuff like that i know that in my heart and in my spirit like god didn't put me in front of him to not to not nobody talks to anybody for an hour and a half about everything that they do and this and that and going through their portfolio if they're not interested in what they have to bring to the table right you know so so I was like, okay, cool. I left. And then Zoomies hit me up 
and wanted me to be like a manager at one of their stores. So I used to manage Foot Lockers when I was back in Michigan. They wanted me to manage yeah. at the store. Went to interview, killed the interview. They offered me a job. And then I looked at the dude. And I'm like, yo, listen, I can't. I was like, I'm not going to take it. I didn't take it. So like, I had a job opportunity right in my face. <laughs> but I just saw that it was going to be the same thing as any, like as a retail job. Like I'm going to end up being a manager and then you be a manager for X, Y, Z years. And right. it's like, then, then I got to work there and it takes away from the things I'm really trying to do. So I just didn't, I didn't settle. I think a lot of times when we're getting ready to embark on something big or we're getting ready to uh, do something that's never been done, at some point we get a little fear in us and we settle rather than going all the way through what we wanted. And I knew that staple, working at staple was what I wanted and I wasn't going to pivot, you know, just because this opportunity may come up or this opportunity may come up, I discern, like, you know what? I think the staple thing is coming and, you know, I'm going to just wait for it. I'm, I'm not going to take And my parents was like, what do you mean you didn't take the job? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't take the job. Like, I just didn't, I just didn't, it just wasn't it, you know? But the crazy part is, like, during this time, I'm broke. <laughs> so I'm, I'm making decisions broke, bro. I'm literally, like, I'm buying a dollar pizza from two bros or the 99 cent pizza shop and getting me a Snapple and like that's, I'm probably eating that that's twice, a, I'm probably eating that twice a day. So I'm probably Damn. eating two, two slices of pizza and some Snapple, you know, uh, twice a day. Like that's my meal. Cause I'm trying to conserve money. So A, I'm trying to conserve money because I know that at some point I'm gonna have to get an apartment or somewhere to stay. So the worst thing to do is to come out here and be spending money frivolously and then not have money when I need when I really need to have it. So I'm over here just racking up like credit card debt and eating literally eating like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day, noodles, like dollar pizza, sleeping on the couch. Like it, it it's a gauntlet. It was a gauntlet, bro. It was a yeah. gauntlet. <laughs> Damn. That's honestly like that's that's something I hope Jeff gets to listen to this episode because like, and I'm sure he knows the story and has heard it 10,000 times, but it's like, you just wanted to work there. Like that's how, that's how gun ho you were on. Like, I need to work here. I don't care what I'm doing. I just, I need to work here. And that's, that's super dope. So you just said no to zoomies. You still don't have a job. What came next? So about maybe about a couple weeks later, Jeff hit me back. And was like, um, you know what? We're gonna work something out. I got, I got. I was thinking about it. I got some stuff that I think I can have you do. So he had me split time. So I, I didn't even get. I wasn't even getting paid. I wasn't getting paid at all. So he was like, Yo, I want you to come do sneaker con. So come, come do sneaker con um, with me. Um, and Marcus, Marcus is one of was one of my mentors during time, and still is one of my closest friends as well. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Marcus. Um, so I, it was me, Marcus, and Kari at uh, sneaker con. So it was like, I'm going to give you a shot. Come do this, and then you know, we'll talk again after that. So I went and did sneaker con, and I met up with Marcus and Kari, and we did the sneaker con the whole day. So after that, Jeff was like, hey, you know, you did a good job. I want to bring you on. So I'm going to have you intern at Reed Space and also between Stable Pigeon. So I'm working between Reed, State, Reed Space and Stable Pigeon, but I'm still, like, not getting paid. I'm getting, like, a Metro card and, like, a $10 lunch stipend. You know, right. like, like I'm, not, I'm not even really getting <laughs> – getting paid. I'm pretty much just like working for free because this is what I want. But also like in the industry, like you have to pay your dues. Like yeah. there's, there's zero, you can try to skip your dues and skip the process of that. 
And I think when I came out of college and came to New York, I was like, oh, I got a degree. I got this, that. I'm about to get to New York. I'm about to make $50,000 a year in my first job. I'm be yep. balling this, that, do, do, do. And then you get here and you get humbled. You get humbled really quick because there's no way that you can skip your, your due paying, you know, your due paying process. So uh, I started interning there, but also my homie Kari ended up giving me um, insight on another job. He worked for, I'm not sure you're familiar with Rhyme, NYC. Yeah. It was like a, so like he ended up giving me, he threw me a lob, like, yo, yo, come to this store. Like, you'll get hired the day you walk in. Like, just pull yeah. up. So, so I pulled up and he ended up getting me a job, you know, a job at, at Rhyme. So I ended up started working at Rhyme. I was really making probably like, what, $10 an hour? Like, I'm making, I'm making, you know, no money. I'm not, I'm not working a bunch of hours. You know, and I'm I'm just there. So I'm so at this point, I'm literally like freelancing with the Brooklyn Hip Hop Festival. I'm also working two two internships, so internship at Reed Space and an internship at Staple, and then I'm also working at Rhyme. So at this point in my career, I'm making like eighty six dollars a like maybe eighty six like a hundred and ten dollars a week or something like that. Yeah. You know? Like I'm like I'm not making anything, but I'm working literally like. 24 straight days i'm working like 60 70 hours like i'm just like busting busting my ass you know like yeah. literally like i'm bust i'm busting it like just just to try to get a, a piece of the pie just to try to get you know my foot in the door just to get some some credits under my belt that's honestly it's it goes to show you like you put in the hard work and something's gonna come and it's like for you you were just looking for that that first foot in the door at the end of the day and it, it took you like all that work just to get your foot in the door and it shows anybody that is listening whether you're a student whether you're a student of the game or whether you're someone that has already made it quote unquote yeah they just anybody everybody just needs to realize that you have to put in the work beforehand to get to where to where jamerson is now or where jeff staple is now like there's so many people that and there's so many stories that i'm sure we haven't heard that was like Hey, yeah, I started like for me, I I had to work an unpaid internship for an entire summer. It was a marketing and sales internship, and I was yeah. a glorified janitor for a minor right. league baseball team. And like, but that is that are the that those are the dues, and like that internship opened the door for so much more. And one hundred percent. That's that's super dope, man. And like, obviously, you work at Staple for a couple years. To fast forward a little bit, you work at Sable for a couple years. Where's your head at? Like, are are you looking elsewhere? Are you looking for more? Like, what? Where's your head looking at? Uh, I mean, at that point, I'm still just like I'm focused on Sable. I'm trying to get a position there, you know. Like, so like I don't. I'm not just happy with being an intern. I want to be. I want to run the marketing. You know, I want to be part of the sales team. I want to be able to go to these events and do things. You know, for Sable. So for me. Like that was my mindset, like just still trying to get stability, still trying to get a career job, still trying to get a salary, you know? Yeah. So like I was doing every, anything I could. So at this time, at this point in my career, like my passion was like streetwear and like I was, I was photography was my thing. So like that was my, my niche at the time, like photography, product shots, lookbooks, things like that. So I was like, how can I, how can I make myself indispensable to, you know, to this, to this company, you know, to make them want to make to make them want to hire me and not just use me as an intern and let me go so i would start shooting things like i would literally just start like hey yo can i get some 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 clothes and go shoot some friends in it you know for some content for our social can i you know get some flats and can i create something something that we can put on our instagram that can help promote you know our next launch and drop so i'm just trying to find ways to hustle within 
you know, hustle within the company to, to prove my worth and prove some value. So then I can, I can garner that job. I can get that. I can get that salary that, that I wanted, I desired, and kind of get that push. You know, so that's yeah. like where my mind is is at during time. Not not so much trying to find something else or this and that, because I knew like this is where I needed to be for for the time being. Okay. So how long how long did you end up working for Jeff and Staple and Rhyme and everything uh, else? Because Rhyme, I'm guessing, was a dope experience in itself as well. Yeah, it was, it was cool. I mean, I'm a. I mean, it, it, it's all perspective too. Like I, when yeah. I look, hindsight is always twenty twenty. When I look back, I need those experiences. But at the same time, I always feel like them certain things with those companies that I work for could have went better. But I think that's anybody's hindsight with anything that they do. Like, okay, this was, at the time it served with a need, but looking back, like I wish this could happen or this would happen, or like we could have understanding on this and that, you know? So yeah. what happened was Staple, so I ended up working my way up to a salary job at Staple. They created a marketing and sales assistant position for me. Um, so I was working between marketing and sales. And then I ended up, I saw like, you know, you got to play the negotiation game a little bit. So like they offered me and then I went back to, I went back to Ryan was like, hey, you know, they're offering me this full time. I'm playing the competition game. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they offer me full time. Like, do you want to offer me full time salary? This or that. And I'll go back to stay like, hey, like they're offering me like full time. Like, like nobody really wants to know that somebody else is really working for somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, exactly. So because you're splitting, you're splitting your your energy between two different places. And like I was doing that, I would go to I would go to Staple in the morning, go to Rhyme at night. So it's like he couldn't get me to do things that I needed to do in the evening if I needed to, because I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. So like I was playing the game, like young young in the game, but I was playing the game between the two. And ultimately, Rhyme didn't want to match or give me more, so I ended up just doing Staple and. Yo, you know, it, it worked out. It worked out. So I was with Staple for, I got there in 2015. I got laid off in 2017. It's like two years. I was there sat, I was there on a real job for like a year and a half. But I was there just like from intern all the way through for two years. Damn. That's dope. I mean, just yeah. hearing that story, I'm guessing... Before anybody thinks that okay, you put in you put in those those first few months or those the, the first few like big like I gotta grind type months. Before anybody goes to think like okay, Staple now finally gave you that seventy five thousand dollar salary. Right. No, they didn't give me that. I got, I, got, I, got, I got I got I got I got thirty thousand dollars, bro. Yeah, exactly. I, I just wanted to make that note. I didn't expect I wish, you to actually I wish, I don't care. They got to know. Entry-level positions, you you not, depending on where you at and how big the company is, I'll, I'll, I'll give, I'm not going to tell you what I make now, but, like, I'm going to let people know what entry-level positions are. Like, you're going to yeah. get 25 to 35, maybe, depending on what industry you're in, how big the company is. Like, Staple isn't a huge company. Yeah. You know? Like, it's not a, it's not a conglomerate. It's not as big as, say, a Supreme, but, like, you know, that's true. That's what I got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what uh, the reality is to a lot of people. And it sucks because, uh, like, you have a degree, you went through college. It, w From my perspective, my professors never told me that. They're always told, they're always saying, like, oh, yeah, as soon as you get this degree, you basically have it made. And that's what you're, like, always told for so long. Like, just because you have this degree or this certificate, you have it made. But they... I feel like we, maybe I'm going down an educational path here, but like I feel like we're doing everybody an injustice because now everybody just thinks, oh yeah, I have a degree, 
it doesn't take any hard work now. Now I'm going into it like Jamerson thought. Like I'm gonna go to New York. I got my degree. I'm Gucci. Like I got I got 60k yeah. out of the belt. But that's not that's not the case. When I started my first job out of college, um, I was grateful enough to have a job four months before I graduated, um, and it was with the Bucks wow. in in the NBA. And my first job, they paid me 24 grand. Like I was getting paid more yeah. serving um, <laughs> before yeah, those. Right. Six, like during that six months before graduation and it was just you got to grind it out you got you have to learn how to um you have to learn that this just because you have this piece of paper doesn't mean that you, everything's going to be handed on a silver platter for you yeah, and yeah. it's something that i feel like we we got to kind of reiterate as much as possible to the generations that follow us because it, it looks easy from the outside especially from the whole social media sense and everything like that yeah, 100%. Social media definitely distorts everything. But I also think that college college doesn't college prepares us college prepares us to have some knowledge and insights into what we want to do, but it doesn't prepare us for the challenges we're going to face once we get there. You know, like they the paper is the almighty thing that's going to get you paid, but ultimately is not <laughs> exactly it's like your skill set and the things that you do and your hustle and your grind that ultimately is going to determine what what you get paid and, and how far you get especially yeah. i mean especially in the sneaker and streetwear industry for for number one like the, there's so many people in in this industry that don't have high school degrees or college degrees or that it's it's just how much grit you have it's just how much heart you have and how much grind you have and are you going to do what you got to do to get where you're going to get like that's at the end of the day, like that's that's gonna trump a degree nine yep. times out of ten. One hundred percent. So you, know? you got basically your twenty seventeen, I believe now, and you just got laid off by staple. Take us through the twenty seventeen through twenty twenty where you sit today with Foot Locker. Okay, cool. So um, nicely enough, uh, Jeff ended up. So during that, like towards the end of my staple career, like I really. It was fun. Like I was doing marketing stuff, like, but I really wanted to get into like experiences. I really wanted to get into events. I really wanted to get into learning how to do things, you know, not so much in the office setting, but be able to be out in the field and in the world and touch and see and like do things. So um, I was trying to get stable to do a lot of that during that time. And that, I mean, they're, they're more so focused on clothing. They are trying to build experiences, which is understandable, you know? So he was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to line you up with this guy that I know over at a company called Game 7. So little did he know, and if he ever listened to this, he'll figure out, but little, little did he know I had already went to Game 7's office like maybe like a month or two prior <laughs> to, oh, like, to like see what was up. And, it, it is, and when I think about this stuff, it's crazy how everything kind of layers itself into like a full circle moment or a moment layers itself into another one in a period of time. You know, like I'll go somewhere and like two months later or something, I'll end up being at that place. Yeah. You know, like I'll set my goal and my sights on it and I'll be there. So like I, I went to game seven a little while ago trying to see if they had any kind of opportunities for like photography and stuff like that. And then he ended up giving me a hit me up and giving me a recommendation to the owner of game seven, Justin. And I ended up going in for an interview and end up getting hired into game seven. So a lot of people, if people don't know about game seven, game seven is an experiential marketing company that pretty much does like all the events for like Nike, Jordan, um, StockX, like all, all these, all the brands that you love, like they produce all the events. They come up with a lot of the concepts, the ideas. They work hand in hand with Nike to make sure things, you know, ideas come to life. 
and things like that. So like that's something that I really, really wanted to do. So ended up giving me an interview there and I ended up getting hired by game seven, uh, like right before the fall, right before the fall, I ended up getting hired by game seven, like in September. So I had a few months off and then I ended up getting hired by game seven. Damn. That's dope. I mean, from the, the interview and if anybody's listening, I do recommend going to check out Jamerson's interview with Def Jam. It's on SoundCloud and I believe it's on other platforms as well. But from the interview, I took like from this experience for game seven, it seems like it was almost like your the staple was big, but game seven kind of helped you kind of introduce, put you in a different classification, kind of put you in, put you in situations to kind of brand yourself and make a name for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I mean, it, it, just, just like I said, you hit that glass ceiling. Like at Staple, I was hitting the glass ceiling. So you hit the glass ceiling, and now it's time to go to the next place. And, you know, Game 7 was a place where I really could kind of expand on some skills other than just, like, photography, other than just, like, lookbooks and things like that. It really gave me a chance to expand on some skills that, I mean, pretty much Game 7 was the thing that really launched my career and launched me and, and blew up my perspective and blew up, I guess, some of I'm not gonna say my work in the industry because it's still like game seven known, but like I guess my relationships and things like that in the industry. It really opened up the ability to build relationships with people in the industry and become friends and build rapport and like things like that. Like it really opened the door, like floodgates. Like it opened it up for me. So it it was dope. It it was a really, really dope time. I don't know how how deep you want me to get into that, but we can uh we can definitely dive into that a little bit too, because I don't know how much time we running for, but I got it's a bunch to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's let's see. I I do want you to hit, and I know um, you don't want to reiterate too much, but talk about your experience with Ray Allen, because that was something that was interesting to me. Really? Um, all right. So, game game seven. Like I said, the platform was was super awesome, super dope to to really open up. I got a chance to to work with Ray Allen. Like it it was it was super last minute too. So literally, I got hit up. My, my manager came over to my desk. I got hit up maybe like on a Monday. Like, yo, we got this potential event with Ray Allen. It's happening and I'll let you know if it's going on, but the event is on like Thursday. So like, if anybody knows anything about in- experiential programming, things like that, like turnaround time, a Thursday turnaround time from a, from a Monday like idea is insane. So like, literally he hit, it, hit me back and was like, yeah, it's gonna happen. So I'm like, okay, what we gotta do? So it's the most, it was the most simplest, hardest thing ever. I had to get a, a papa shot into the back room of Foot Locker on 34th Street. Yeah, damn. So like, it yeah. literally, and, and, and whenever you hit anybody up for like anything, vinyl decal, stuff like that, turnaround time is usually like seven days, minimum. So like, I'm literally like breaking my back to make sure I'm hitting up all of our vendors, everybody to get this papa shot machine into uh, 34th Street. You know? Yeah. So we get there. Everything gets set up. Ray Allen and Jabari Parker come. Shiggy comes. Uh, I brief them all in. And then they, they record the show. So then recording the show was super dope. Just laughing, joking, having fun. And then after that, um, we all went over to Nike headquarters. And over there, like, we all just literally just chilling. It's like Ray Allen is, is shooting with Jabari, and they're working out and things like that. And then when they get done working out, like, I'm playing with Ray Allen, his kids, thing. Uh, Ray, um, he probably know who he is. We'll be all right. But uh, <laughs> but I'm just hanging out. Like, we're just hanging out. I hang out with him, the kids, the Jordan reps. Like, we're all just kicking it. And then we end up on the roof. 
And Ray Allen just literally just talking to us, like sitting there talking, standing there talking to me like he my uncle. <laughs> you know, Damn. like, oh yeah, you know, I just wrote a book, he's talking about his book, he's talking about achieving things in life. Like, hey, the only thing you gotta do is like start, just do it. He's like, I'm a champion. Like, it's it, the first thing you gotta do is just believe. And if you believe, like everything else will come together, you gotta believe and work. And like, he's literally just giving this game, you know, like yeah. when you, from, from an OG and somebody that, that like him, he's a Hall of Fame, he's a Hall of Fame player. Like, you're gonna listen to what he has to say uninterrupted and like have dialogue back and forth with him. So like that was a, a super dope, you know, experience just be there and hang out with him and just talk and chat, like to be that close, you know. A, a lot, I did a lot of talent stuff, but that was probably the most hands-on um, in time I've been able to really spend with talent and really kind of get to know them and talk to them and, and build like a relationship with them. Because I've seen so many people and like managed so many different people during the years, but to really be able to have an authentic conversation. You know, that's not just about what's going on. That's not just about the event or not just about some product to really just talk to somebody about life was, was super dope, man. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And that's something that I thought it was cool for everybody else to hear that on this episode because one, Bari is from Chicago, so got to talk about that. But the, the fact that Ray Allen was... I've heard he's a humble dude anyways, but to hear from your perspective where you're actually like sitting down and like he's like you said, he's spitting game. Oh, whoa, not spitting game. He's actually like talking with you. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> um, he's, he's giving you just knowledge bombs, right? And that's, that's, that's super cool. Yeah. That's just dope. Um, but for the last like few minutes in here, I have to hit on the Foot Locker experience. So right. game okay. seven of Foot Locker. Cool. Um, How did that I go? Can How I can I give happen? you a five minute just one more one of my favorite game seven moments that I had? Oh yeah, go about. ahead, go ahead. So we were doing the my favorite my favorite game seven moment for me um, was I did the PSNY high low launch. Uh, they had a pop up shop and they had a basketball tournament, and I got a chance to really run the entire pop up shop, chill, manage every celebrity, every influencer and stuff that came through, which was super dope. Like Victor Oladipo came through, got to work hands on with him. 21 Savage came through, got to work hands-on with him. Uh, this is before 6ix9ine uh, got into all this mess. Like, he came through. You know, I got to work with him. I got to work with so many different people that weekend in the span of, like, two days and really to see how, like, a pop-up shop operated and how it worked and how it was ran, you know? And just moving into, like, what I'm doing with Leader and things like that, it really kind of showed me the level that things need to be in order for it to, to pop how you want it to. So that was a humble experience, but the dopest part about it was... Um, I was just talking. I was just talking to Dow, Dowie, um, Dow, Dowie, you know, like the guy that runs public school. And we just in there talking. He was like, "Man, he was like, I, I really like, you know, how you ran, you know, this pop up, like my pop up shop and things like that." Yeah. And for me, that was like a moment, like, "Dang, you didn't came farther than you were before," because now you're pushing stuff for another high level brand, and you're helping them bring their stuff to market. And the person who's running the brand is giving you flowers right now. Yeah. You know, like. Like, I, I don't know how often that happens, but for me, that was like a moment like, like I could really do this and I can do my own thing. I can take it farther and I, and I can go harder than that. You know, I really, really took it and it like motivated me because somebody within the culture that's done a lot and seen a lot, done collabs, doing things with Nike tells you that it, it changes the way you feel. And not saying I'm, I'm always worried about what somebody else is thinking, but things like that push you farther than, than you could ever go before somebody says something like that to you, you know? And I oh, told yeah. him like, I, I try to treat everything like it's, I try to treat, I try to treat everything like it's mine. So if I'm working on something, I'm treating it like I'm doing it, you know, like it's my company. And if I do that, I know I'm going to do, do my best job. 
Right. What, um, to build off of that, like, constructive criticism. Let, like, let's say he would have gave you something like, hey, I, I really like the way that this ran, but you should have did this differently or anything like that. There comes a point in time where um, in growth and in the growth of your career trajectory, people just need to know how to take criticism or take yeah. constructive criticism. How do you how do you deal with that? Because you have people to answer to t- today with Foot Locker. You've had people to answer to throughout your, inju- your entire journey. How do you kind of deal with taking the taking the things like he told you like hell yeah but then also taking like advice another way like the constructive criticism you know what that's that's been something that i've been trying to grow in as a person like i uh i have uh i i got i got a pride issue sometimes sometimes it's hard for me to take feedback or things like that because i i always think i know it all but if you always think you know it all then you'll always be the dumbest person in the room you know, you'll, yeah. you'll be the person who doesn't grow, the person who doesn't get more. So lately, I've just been trying to listen. You know, when people give me constructive constructive criticism, I just try to, I listen. I listen to what they say, and then I dissect it. I'll, just, I'll dissect what I need, because sometimes people just be saying stuff to say stuff. But at yep. the same time, sometimes people are saying things that really can help you. So for me, I'll dissect it, and if I'll take pieces from it, I feel can help me be better as a person or better in my career or better in my profession. And then other stuff that I may not feel is constructive, like I'll take it with a grain of salt. I think it's that and then learning not to take things so serious and so personally all the time when somebody's like give you feedback. Because a lot of people just want to see you grow. They want to see you grow. They want to see you be great. They want to see you do better. But I think our own insecurities and, and things like that make it feel like people are attacking us when, when they're really just giving us constructive feedback or trying to help us grow. And I think sometimes we have to wrap our mind around the fact like, hey, like, let me at least listen. And whatever I get from it, I get from it, you know? And if, if I don't yep. feel like it applies to me, then I just keep it pushing, you know? I think that's something I've really been working on late, lately in my career. I love that. I love that. So, Game 7 of Foot Locker. Talk uh, about that transition. Game 7 of Foot Locker. So, once again, we, we talk about this, this glass ceiling. <laughs> we, we're back, we're back to the we glass ceiling again. concept. Yeah, uh, I just think... It just so at game seven, beautiful company. I love made so many friends there. Um, I just feel like I started hitting the glass ceiling, and I really wanted to like move into talent, you know, talent management, influencer marketing, and things like that. And more so because I did a lot of it there. So like a lot of times we had talent. A lot of times if somebody had to host something or things like that, like you know, I, I would handle a lot, a lot of that. So I was starting like okay, like what's the next level for me here? You know, do I do I stay here and try to become you know? Uh, a senior manager or a director here or do I take this and I go somewhere else and try to try to expand on some new skills so ended up like hey you know I want to go in a different direction I'm trying to do something new I want to do some influencer marketing some some talent marketing and things like that so crazy enough I literally just one day just looked I just looked on on Foot Locker's website and I saw like influencer marketing you know North America and I was like oh this is this sounds like me, so let's do it. So I ended up just applying for it, and I, I just went for it. I think it was just time for a change. It was time for a switch. I'm a person yeah. who doesn't really like to um, be stuck in, in one place for, like, long periods of time. <laughs> Same. You know? I, I, I feel that. It's, uh, it's an interesting 
when you hit that glass ceiling, it's almost, uh, I call it more of a monkey on my back. Like, okay, you yeah. need more, you need more, you need, you need to try something new. Like you're getting stagnant and that's, and I think it has to do with, because I have ADD too. Um, so <laughs> I have, it definitely has to do with that too, man. Yeah, 100%. So um, I just feel like it was time for a move. You know, I always like to reassess every like. So if I work somewhere, I work there for a year, and I always like to just reassess where I'm going. Okay, I've been here for a year, and let me reassess and see, you know, what's the next step, you know, I can go with this company or what's the next place that I can go. And then at 18 months, I usually like reassess again. Like I like to reassess and see where I'm going. I don't like to be stuck. So I reassessed it, and then I was like, yo, I want to do some talent management. And I hit up Foot Locker, put in my application, and went in for the interview, and they ended up, they ended up hiring me. Damn. So you've been there for how long? A little over a year now. I had a year anniversary recently. My year anniversary was in August. Nice. And how? Yes. Let's see. Reflecting back on that year, obviously it's been a tough one, but reflect well portion of it has been a tough one. What's what's the highlight so far? Man, I. I've done, I've done, in a year, looking back, I've done so much work. And it, I think this is me. Uh, one of my biggest highlights, I ended up bringing a, um, Zaza in, the little girl Zaza, to come yeah. do, like, to do, like, a show for, like, kids' footlockers. Like, that was super dope. Like, I've nice. been able to work with, like, like, PJ Tucker. You know, I've been able to work with, um, like, I, I don't work with so many people during the time. Like, I really got to go back and think. Yeah. About about what like we've had gonna do some stuff like for a Puma performance. We've done experiential events that had like concerts and performances and I've done so you got you got me sitting here thinking trying to go back in my brain right now <laughs> and just like reflect on like some of my favorite footlock cool. moments. Like it's it's been so many, man. I've been able to have my hand in, in my pockets and like in like ideas for commercials. I've never had my hands in, in pockets for ideas for talent to to support certain commercials and campaigns and things like that. So um, it's really just opened up my networking to a, another level again, you know, yeah. like, like it opened up a little more in at game seven, but like being at Foot Locker took me to another level of being able to not so much work in the background with the talent, but now I'm in the, I'm in the forefront working with the talent, you know, yeah. like I'm the one doing reaching out, talking to managers, talking to them, building, now being able to build relationships with the, with talent more so than just being able to just, execute the event now i'm actually able to build personal relationships you know that that help our brand and you know push our brand forward now so i think that's been that's been my favorite part and i think that is the highlight just relationship building and getting to know new people and just that's me like if if i can't build relationships like i'm i'm like all over the place you know (laughs) yeah i feel it man so incredible story incredible journey What's uh, what's one piece of advice you have for someone trying to break into any industry, let alone sneakers or culture in, in general? I think number one, um, do your research. <laughs> do your research. That's that's the easiest thing. Whatever you want to be, whatever you want to work for, you want to be in sneakers, do your research. Uh, I was researching people for years. Everybody in the streak, sneak, uh, streaker. <laughs> streakers. Hope there's no streakers. Everybody in the everybody in the sneaker industry, everybody in the streaker industry, like I was researching them. I was trying to figure out how they produced this, how they did that. I was trying to figure out what was their career path. How did they get to where they're at? Like I was like a scholar. You know, I'm a scholar. I was a scholar of it for for those years and still am. Like I'm still learning. I'm still um doing it, but more so as of now, it's like really trying to put in the work to become one of those people that people now 
can go back into my history and then find their own blueprint through my blueprint, you know? And yeah. then number two, be ready to work. Like no, nothing in this industry is going to get handed to you. You, you. you can't expect people to, to, to put your dreams and what you want on a silver platter. You got to be ready to work. You got to be ready to hustle. Some days you have to shut up and suck it up and, and do it, you know? Yeah. And then some days, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get there, but you just got to You got to work. You got to pay your dues and you got to shut up and just do what you got to do and get it done. You know, I love that. And then also that. just don't third. And I'd say this is my last one is don't be afraid. I think a lot of people are afraid to do things that they've never done before. And then when you let that fear fester, you don't move. And if you don't move, you become stagnant. And then five, 10 years from now, you don't want to be looking back and be like, man, I wish I would have just did that. So at the end of the day, at, at, at the other side of fear is a promise. If you get past your fear, it's a promise that, that, that you're going to be good and that you're going you're gonna to hit what you want to hit because you overcame that mountain of fear, you know? Yeah. So I think that's the biggest thing. Those are the, the, the three biggest things. I love that. I love that a lot. What's, um, when it's all said and done, what impact do you want to leave on the world? That's, that's an amazing question. Uh, my impact, yo, I just, I don't, I don't care about being known for having the most sneakers. I don't be care. I don't care about being known for who had, who had the, the freshest fit, who had the most likes on Instagram, the most followers. At the end of the day, man, my impact, I, I just want to love people. You know, uh, the, the same love that God gives me. I just want to show everybody I, I come encounter with just love. Because everything else in this world, like, yeah, I've done a lot of dope stuff, but there's other things going on in this world. There's, you know, police brutality going on. There's COVID. There's so many things in this world. At the end of the day, I think the world just needs, you know, love. My impact, if, if impact of what I create and, and what I can give when I see people is love and life and happiness and energy. Like, that's, that's me. Like, that's all I, at the end of the day, that's what I want to be known for, man. I don't need to be, I don't need to be Mr. Streetwear America or Mr. Um, best in sneakers of all. Like I don't, I don't like th- those are great. Those are great things. Yeah. You know, those are great things to have accolades to have. At the end of the day, man, I just, I just want to love people, man. I dig That's that, it. man. I dig that a lot. That's one of the better answers so far. So, or yeah. I can't really judge them, but I like that the <laughs> most. Um, <Don't> t- <laughs> I won't tell anybody. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, I won't tell anybody. Um, so. Where can people find you, man? Where can people find out more about you, like what you're working on, stuff like that? Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's my name, Jamerson. A lot of people can't spell it right, but it's J-A-M-I-E-R-S-E-N. You can find me on that across every platform, literally. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Clubhouse, whatever it is. Whatever you want to find me on, like that's, that's my at. That, that's consistently across all my platforms. That, awesome. There will also be... Uh, Links to your social media and everything like that will be accessed through Spotify if you're on Spotify. If not, um, just click on the blog, anything like that. But, dude, I appreciate you. I know we didn't even get halfway through my notes, so maybe (laughs) there's a part two here in the near future. But I appreciate you jumping on the Strange on Purpose podcast today. For for sure, we might have to do a part two because we didn't even get we didn't even get to the parts about me almost being homeless. So that's oh, that's gosh, for part yeah. two. Part two is coming <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> Yo, Izzy, man. man, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you, bro. No, yeah, we'll talk soon. For sure, man.